My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 4. And we'll begin reading with verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 4. For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now, I want to focus on what he says, Apollos water. So I want to talk to you about when you are watered because everybody needs that water that nourishes the seed and causes it to grow and I want you to present yourself to the Lord and receive that water from the spirit and the word and let it give uh, bring us to where God will give us the increase so I want you to just lift your hands for a moment and I want you to invite God's presence to anoint this word to our spirit that we might be able to receive what the Lord would like to speak to our hearts tonight. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for these wonderful people who have come on this Wednesday night to receive it. Let them receive it by faith. Let this word find good ground tonight that it might produce the fruit that the seed is designed to produce, that the seed would produce after its own kind, and that it would give us the increase in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. According to our text here, Paul planted and Apollos watered. Students shouldn't stay where they were before the teacher instructs them, and the teacher should expect the student to grow and improve and get better to receive the increase. And that's exactly what Paul expected at Corinth. He wanted them to improve. He wanted them to grow. He wanted them to become better than they were because he knew that God wanted to give them the increase. And so when Paul had gone to Corinth where there was a lot of carnality, a lot of flesh, a lot of debauchery, they served many gods before Paul's ministry, and some didn't serve any kind of God at all. But when Paul went to Corinth, he planted the gospel, that gospel seed in their hearts, and by a demonstration of the power and the Spirit, he birthed that church at Corinth. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed our sins away. Aren't you glad that somebody came by and preached to you the word of God and planted in you the seed of the gospel and now you are saved and sanctified by the spirit and on your way to heaven. I just want to know, does anybody actually believe you're on your road to heaven? Does anybody want to go to heaven? I want to be saved and I want you to go with me. However, Paul was also addressing those Christians in Corinth that after their conversion, they had some problems. They had some things that he had to correct. 
There were some things that he had to set straight. And there was divisions among them, and that can happen in a church sometimes. And one thing they argued about is which one of the ministers that came to preach was the greatest. Which one was better than the other? He said that some like Paul and some like Apollos and some like Cephas, who was Peter. And so some were fascinated because Simon said, he's got the keys to the kingdom. And Apollos was just a mighty, I mean, he was poised and he was mighty in the scripture and he just was a handsome gentleman. And Paul was just this little squeaky dude and he just didn't really have a lot of presence, but now he could pray everything through to the Holy Ghost and he could see a lot of miracles performed. And so there was this jostling in the kingdom that caused division and therefore it caused destruction. So when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, now listen, we can't do this, that's carnal. It's divisive and that attitude is ultimately destructive. Why? Because what is planted in your life cannot produce what it's supposed to produce as long as that attitude exists in your life. Paul was a great intellect and God used Paul, but he also used other ministers as well. He didn't just use Paul, he used Apollos and he used Cephas. And obviously, Peter had visited Corinth at some point. We don't have any historical record of that. Yet, obviously, there were people at Corinth who felt like Peter was the one that they wanted to follow. He used Simon Peter, who was an unlearned man. And Paul himself was well-traveled, and he spoke several languages and was very articulate in those languages. And Paul often was criticized because of his intelligence and he was even criticized because of his faith. Paul had a heart for Christ and he had a mind that reached out and grabbed a hold of faith. Paul was blistered by many and criticized highly because of that faith. And he even suffered stoning at Lystra and persecutions and trials beyond belief for his profession of faith. And so when Apollos comes along, it just sort of seems as if it stings because Apollos was very articulate. He was brilliant. He was awesome when he expounded the word. And the Bible even says he was fervent in the spirit. He was mighty in the scripture. And there's those who think that Apollos even wrote the book of Hebrews. I don't believe that because the genius of Hebrews definitely is Pauline in authorship. And he was the one that wrote those particular words. But I don't adhere to Apollos, but there are some who do that wrote Hebrews, but I believe that Paul did. And when Apollos came to Corinth, he was brilliant with his teaching and his preaching. And it caused Paul to say, when I came to you, I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the power and the spirit. And when you read it, it looks like if you, if you just kind of go across, over the surface of it, it looks like Paul's ego was bruised a little bit. It, it really does because it just seems as if Apollos was this great, powerful, poised individual and Paul didn't have that physical presence. And yet Paul was the father of the church and Paul had to be the voice of correction to the people. And sometimes when you're the voice of correction, it's a whole lot easier and a whole lot nicer whenever Apollos comes along in waters and Paul had to correct them. But I don't believe that Paul's ego was bruised at all by this condition. He saw a carnal attitude that was hindering the furtherance of the gospel in the city of Corinth. He knew that carnality would not build that church. So Paul, loving the simplicity of the gospel and also dealing with the backlash of Apollos' eloquent ministry, Paul told the Corinthians that they were carnal to allow these ministries to be in competition in their minds and their hearts. And not much has changed in 2,000 years. It's still just about the same. But Paul simplified it and said, I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul brings both the one who planted and the one who waters on the same level. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that water anything. It's not the one who plants and it's not the one who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. 
It's God's will for the church to increase. Now, I don't know of any preacher in their right mind that would ever get up and preach and not hope that there would be some kind of increase as a result of that preaching that there would be some kind of fruit in the minds and the hearts and the lives and the families and the church and the community. Everybody I know that preaches. But somebody can tell you how to lose weight, but you got to do it. You got to be the one to push back the plate. You got to be the one that reduces the calories. I'll tell you, the best way to lose weight is to write what you bite. Write down what you eat, and I promise you, you'll find out just how quick everything adds up. I'm on one of them 1,400-calorie diets right now, and it's about to kill me. (laughs) But faith without works is dead. So the seed planted is a destiny concealed. But when God gives us the increase, it's a destiny revealed. The planting of the seed is not the final destiny. And the final destination, ultimately, it's the destiny of the seed to bear fruit and to produce an increase. And I hope that every time you come to church, even if it's one of our young men expounding the word of God, I hope that it waters your spirit and causes you to bear fruit in your life. And I hope that God can deliver us from carnality. Why? Because that seed that's planted in the ground has got to receive water in order for it to grow. I don't care what God has spoken to you prophetically or what promise you're holding on to. In order for you to experience the fulfillment of that prophetic word, there is a waiting time. There is a testing time. And you're going to need the continual watering of the Spirit. But if your carnal attitude shuts you off from the voice of the preacher, then you're not going to be able to receive the water that can make that seed grow. That's why so many prophecies die. And so many seeds that are planted in your heart, you get frustrated and then you get carnal. And then you say, I don't understand, and I wished I could do this, and I wished I could do that. Well, you've got to learn to allow God access to your life. I say, God, turn on the water hose and water every one of us until the the seed begins to grow. In Revelation chapter 1, we see the mouth, and out of that mouth comes a two-edged sword. I read it to you before the service began. But I also found there in the same text that there's a voice of many waters. And so there are directional words that come to us from the preacher. But then there's also that voice of many waters, and you've got to know that the whole process is needed in order to bring to pass his work. This church can't grow unless we have the whole process. And anybody who says anything differently is carnal. I'm going to say it again. You are as carnal as the day is long if you say it any other way. There's only one way the church can grow. God's got to plant that seed in you, and then he's got to water it through the waiting time until it produces and increases. There's that transition point between what is concealed and what is revealed. But without the benefit of the watering, the destiny's going to die in the ground. It'll never reach its potential if it's never watered. And so you know and understand that God's got to water that seed. God created seed inside every living thing. If not, God would have created it again and again and again. But he put seed within his creation so that when it produces, it also produces the seed that can continue the growth process. I'm glad every time I come to church, not only does God water me, but in the very fruit that I produce, there is seed to continue that growth and to continue it in everybody's life. 
to where when I receive the blessing, I can speak the blessing and then you're blessed and then you can speak the blessing and you're blessed for speaking it to someone else. Don't try to hold on to what God's given you. Don't try to hold on and say, well, I've only got so much here and I don't want to give it up. Mm. You need to give what God has given you and let it bless you. That's why the Bible tells us, as long as the earth remaineth, there'll be seed time and there'll be harvest time. And except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it'll bring forth much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bringeth forth not fruit, he takes it away. I believe that God wants every one of you to grow and increase. And you need to allow the voice of the preaching to either plant that seed or water that seed until it produces. Now you can go on YouTube and I, I go on YouTube and I watch all kinds of different preaching, but you can't let every voice on YouTube direct you because you're gonna be going in 35 different directions. That's why you have the voice of a pastor in your life and you need to submit to that process. Because only one voice can direct you. But now you can go on YouTube and you can have the voice of many waters water that direction and affirm it and water the seed. Because I know I get some people, they'll say, man, I heard this on YouTube and, and this was so exciting. And you don't even know who preached what they said on YouTube just because they sounded good and they looked good. But you can't go by appearances. If you don't know that person's life, you don't need to let that person direct you. And now that multimedia and social media and all of these different mediums are available to us, you can get anything you want just by searching on Google and go to any kind of thinking and preaching and speaking. That's why you need to submit to the process of the local church and allow the voice of the preacher to direct you. You see, here's direction, church. This is an apostolic church. You say, well, what does that mean? That means we are a one God, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking. We are a noisy, worshiping, praising, revival, people getting the Holy Ghost, people getting baptized. We don't just talk about it. We do it. That's our direction. And as long as there's breath in my body, I don't care who preaches on YouTube. I don't care how good they are. They're not setting the direction for this church. This church is still headed in the same direction it was founded on. And that truth will never change. It's a holiness church. It's a church that preaches godliness. And I don't care who your favorite preacher is. They are not the direction for the church. Amen. Don't make any difference. So you need to understand that. Now, the truth is, is no seed grows naturally out of the ground. It's got to be planted. It's got to be cultivated. So God's word does not just naturally grow in your life. It's got to be intentionally planted. And you got to learn how to hold on to that. And you got to learn how to allow the word to water you. It's not going to happen by itself. It's got to be planted. And through the curse of your first birth, you weren't meant to grow. But God changed everything through Jesus Christ, who spoke a new word and planted a new seed of the gospel to bring forth a new creature in Christ Jesus, where old things pass away and all things become new. So think about it. Out of the dead, dry ground of the abusiveness that you have come out of in your past life, out of the dry ground of the turmoil in your young life, out of the dry ground of sickness and pain and bad habits and wrong thinking and wrong li living, God 
planted a new word in your heart. He planted you. And guess what? You weren't supposed to grow. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. You, mm, you were messed up in your trespasses and in your sins. But when he planted you, hallelujah, he made you to grow by his own word. Some of you thought you would never make it, but yet you did. I didn't think some of you would make it, and yet you did. And how many of you know that some people who get saved, you think they're going to make it and they don't, and the ones you think that are not going to make it, they make it. Why? Because God is the only one who gives the increase. I wish somebody would capture this because I'm not aborting the process. God's given us a process that works. And Paul saw Corinth aborting the process of the promise. And when he saw Corinth aborting the process, that's when he decided to teach and to correct that so that they could get back on track because you can't grow wild, church. You've got to grow according to the pattern that that seed has put in your life. You weren't some afterthought. You didn't just come to be. You don't just sit on these pews and automatically pick up the word and then receive all this spiritual knowledge. Before you ever read a Bible, God decided to plant the seed through the preaching of the word. Before you even knew what it said, somebody said you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And for whatever reason, you decided to obey the preacher. And when you obeyed, that word took root. And that word produced after its kind. And every one of your sins are washed away. Then they said you're going to speak in tongues when the Holy Ghost comes. And for whatever reason, you lifted your hands. You began to praise him. You had no idea what it was. But you started speaking. In other tongues, is anybody glad you've got the Holy Ghost and fire? I know when the seed is planted, it looks like a burial. Really, you can't tell the difference between planting the seed and a burial. But yet, seed has a destiny because it's been planted. It's been put in good soil. See, you're responsible for how good your soil is. Not the preacher. Not the quality of the preaching. As long as it's true. You're totally responsible for the condition of your soil. Totally. Mm. Amen. If you can't receive the word tonight, you say, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. That's because you're carnal. <laughs> and guess what? If you've got flesh hanging on your bones, the Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. That's, that's in the book. Your carnal way of thinking aborts the process. That's why the promise can't come to pass in your life. I don't understand what the deal is. Well, that carnality has stepped in the way and stopped the process. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And you have got to be corrected in the Holy Ghost and you got to come back to God's process and allow one voice to plant and the voice of many waters to water and then God will give the increase. Because how many of you know that once you're planted and you grow and produce fruit, you become greater and better than you were before? How many of you know that when you came to God, you was messed up, your life was messed up, but now that you've come back to God or come to the Lord, you're better than you've ever been? How many of you are nicer than you were before? How many of you are sweeter than you were before? Uh-oh, uh -oh, boy, I, did I say something wrong? 
How many of you know that you've got more fruit than you've ever had? How many of you know you've got more friends than you've ever had? You got some people to pray for you. When you were planted, you were messed up. But when you came forth and God gave the increase, you've got a better life. You got a better home. You got a better family. You became greater than you were before. How many of you will testify to the fact that salvation has done you good? How many of you can testify to the fact that God ain't never done me nothing but good? I wish y'all would quit pitting one preacher against another and just let the word do its work. If it's a watering word, let it water. If it's a planting word, let it plant. If it's a plowing word, let it plow. Grow up, hallelujah. Growth is important. I believe, now here's something you gotta understand. When God plants the word, There's that waiting period. You got to wait. You'll be transformed by what you have endured. I just feel like, Brother Kinsey, I'm enduring. That's what transforms you. As a matter of fact, your testimony has value because of what you've been through. Well, so-and-so didn't like me. And they said that I got white hair. Guess what? They're right. Get over it. There ain't no sense in acting like it ain't so. Because I'm not using Miss Clairol. I can tell you that right now. It is not going to happen. So the, the deal is, church, I got to get past that. I got to endure it. Because God transforms me by what I endure. Now, this is what I want to tell somebody right now. You feel like you're in a waiting time. You're going through a tough time. You've served the Lord. You've got a promise. You're trying to hold on to it. Well, the Lord sent me to tell you, you're going to rise again. I'm going to tell you one more time. You're going to rise again. God's going to resurrect that word in your spirit. It's going to break forth from the soil and God's going to get the glory for the increase in your life. You're not going to stay down forever. Their criticism isn't going to keep you down. You're coming up out of the ground because you're going to rise again. And I want you to receive that. I know it looks like everything's against you, but the promise is true. Because when it's all over and it's all said and done, God made it to happen. He willed it to happen. You know, and there's just no telling what all God's going to do. Because he ain't finished with you yet. I'm going to say it again. I said he's not finished with you yet. Said, but brother kids, my heart's been broken a million times. We'll try 10 million. Brother Kidsy, I'm lonely and bewildered. Perhaps so. I've been hurting. Uh, perhaps. You may not know what's going to happen tomorrow. You might be sick in your body, but hang on. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I just want to tell you right now, you might feel like you're down for the count, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. And that you should show forth the praises of him that have called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. Let the preacher preach and let the waters flow. Let the pastor preach and the seed be planted. 
when God gives you a promise and the preacher says something wonderful is going to happen if you believe the word and obey it, trust in that. Not because the preacher said it, but because the Bible declares it and he's decreeing what the Bible said. When you water the seed, it only works when there's something in the ground that needs it. You can't just water bricks and concrete, nothing gonna grow. And you can water a hard-headed, stubborn individual and nothing's ever gonna grow. Do y'all resemble that remark? How many of you know you can be stubborn? You don't have to tell me, I already know. I've been here 20 years now. Yes, you can be stubborn. You can't water concrete and bricks and expect them to grow. It's amazing. Some ministry doesn't work on some people because there isn't anything there to be affected when the word is preached. They're not changed. They're not affected when they walk out those doors. They're exactly the same as they were when they came in because there's nothing in their heart to be affected by it. When the word fell by the wayside because the wayside ground was so packed and hard and the crevices and the holes around there couldn't receive the word, that's when the enemy and the birds of the air come and pick that word up and take it away. That's the reason why when you walk out of this building, you got to protect that word. Because there's going to be something somewhere that's going to happen tonight or tomorrow that'll try to take that word out of your spirit. But God's given me a word and he's planted his word and his seed in my heart and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm not going to let anybody's attitude take it away. I'm not going to let any circumstance take it away. I'm going to hold on to the word because I know what God has promised this church. I know what God has promised you as individual. The word's going to bear fruit if you'll give it a chance. Now, you can make the preacher have to do a dance and a backflip to get your attention, but that's not going to happen to this preacher because when the word got in the soil of my soul, the soil was good soil. And I'm, whether, it's a, whether it's a planting word or a watering word, I'm going to shout and praise the Lord because I believe in the power of the word. It's quick. I said it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Amen. You say, well, how do you get sinners to repent? The word will make them repent. You know how to get people that are backslid in the hearts to turn around? The word of God has the ability to get deep down in their soul and turn them around. If we come to church a thousand times and leave the same way, unaffected, unchanged, unmoved, unstirred, unrevived, and unregenerated, but if way down deep, we know that everything's going wrong in our life, and all of a sudden you allow the word to get planted in the soil of your spirit, and God begins to water it. Just when you think you are on your last leg, God begins to move with power, and all of a sudden the increase starts happening. And you realize, you know what? It is worth serving God. It is worth coming to church. It is worth it all. But it's up to you to allow the word to affect your heart. Not up to the preacher. It's up to you. If you've got to have the water to slake your thirst, then... You can grow in the Lord. How long has it been since you allowed the word to stir you? Mm. Move you to a prayer room and you say, I'm not leaving till I grow. It's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. So I'm beyond that. No, you're not. If you're beyond praying for God to cause his word to grow, one who waters doesn't pick and doesn't judge. He turns the hose on and lets it flow. 
And whoever gets blessed, gets blessed. I've been in Pentecost long enough where I've watched people put their hand up and start shouting because the Spirit of the Lord was moving and then all of a sudden they saw somebody they didn't like doing the same thing. I was raised in Louisiana. I know what I'm speaking of. I've watched it happen. But when the hose gets turned on, you might as well turn it loose. Because there's going to be people that don't deserve it get blessed. But God said, are you mad because I'm good? I'm not going to be mad because God is good. I'm going to turn the hose on and hope some of y'all get it. Praise the Lord. I hope everybody from the back to the front gets a hold of this. Don't get in anybody's way of being watered. Let everybody be watered because you never know what's going to happen and what change will take place. You don't know how God can use the word and the water to bring about transformation in that life. Don't give up on anybody. Don't get mad when somebody gets blessed that you don't think is worthy of it. Get your hands up in the air and say, God, can you send some of that water to me? Because I need to be blessed. I'm not going to get in the way of your blessing. I'm going to get out of the way and let God bless you. Amen. So in every service, we need to be reaching for God. Now end with this. Psalm 65, 9 through 13. Here it is. Here's how it works. It tells you right here. Thou visitest the earth, he's talking to God, and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn because you provided it for them. You made it grow. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. You make it soft with showers. That's what God wants you to do, is not be hardened, but to be soft. God needs to water your spirit to make it soft. Thou blessest the springing thereof, or you bless the growth thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. Thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness. And the little hills rejoice on every side. That means that all of you are on the sides or not out of the picture. Those of you sitting over there, like Greg and Cheryl, God can bless even on all sides. And I'm stretching that text to mean something it really doesn't mean, but I'm just simply saying the little hills are rejoicing over on every side. That means that no matter how small you feel you are, the word can change your life. The pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy and they also sing. All the way over there on the side, Mike, the little hills can rejoice. Both of you mics, right there, both mic, no, three mics. There's Mike, Mike, and Mike. Mike, Mike, and Mike Incorporated. Any other mics over there that I missed? There's three mics, and I promise you, God can bless every one of you. The word of God and the promise of the truth is for every one of you. But we need to start rejoicing in what God is doing. When you hear the word, whether it's a correctional word, a plowing word or a watering word. You need to rejoice 
Because everybody that's listened to Paul is going to want to listen more to Apollos because Apollos has got the slick presentation. But they were both men of God and God used both men to accomplish his work. And you need to grow until you understand you need the whole process in order to become a true Christian. So I'm not aborting any of the process in my life. God, if you want to plow the furrow, plow it. If you want to plant, man, I feel the planet. If you want to water it, turn the hose on, I'll take it. Because, church, it's not the planting or the watering that matters, although that has to be a part of the process. It's the fruit that matters. And it's the increase that matters. That is what you need to have. Hallelujah. So, get in the process. Get in. Turn to your neighbor and say, start it right now. Start the process right now. Start it right now. Say, well, I started a long time ago. Well, stay and turn to them and say, stay with it. If you've already started it, stay with it then. Tur- turn to another person. Don't touch them, just turn. Don't spit on them. Just turn to them and say, I just want you to know that God is good and he's true to his word. He's true to his word and he's going to fulfill his promise. Get in the process. Get in there. Stay with it. Woo! I said stay with it until he produces it in your life and he will produce it in every one of us. And that's the good thing about it is he's no respecter of persons. If you, if you go through the process, that word will produce after its kind according to its design for every one of you. Amen. And that's the good news. So I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to trust in the Lord. Now, how many of you have received a word of promise from the Lord and it has been a little bit too long before God? It just seems like it's been a long time in coming. There's a promise that God, not just something you've wanted, but God's given you a promise. And I want you to lift your hand and say, Brother Kenzie, I know God's given me a promise, but it has taken a long time. As a matter of fact, it has not come to pass yet. But now, now put your hand down. Now, how many of you are, can say, honestly, yeah, I may not have got it yet, but I'm in the process. I'm somewhere between the planting and the watering or somewhere. It's like when I go to Because of the Times or I go to a a, a meeting where there's a lot of preaching. Not every word that is spoken in that meeting is going to be a directional word. Because I can't come home and bring all those sermons back here and try to direct this church in 27 different ways. It just won't work. But I have learned when I've set my direction to take every word that is spoken and let it water what God has put in my spirit. I was in one meeting and Seven different preachers had seven different things they wanted us to go home and preach. Seven completely different things. And I said, now God, I got to have some direction here because I got to know which one of them seven I'm supposed to start with. (laughs) And it was all good. I mean, there wasn't nothing bad. It was all good. But you see what I'm saying. You understand what I'm talking about. Because direction is different 
And I want to get direction, but I want to get it from his word. And I want his leading to give it to me. It's important that I stay in that process until he waters it and it comes to pass. Because what I have to endure is going to become a part of my testimony. And that's a part of my transformation. Some of you have had to endure some terrible things. And if I were to listen to your story and what you've had to endure, it would just be horrendous. It would break my heart as it has broken yours, for sure. But it's through that endurance that you've got a testimony tonight. God has seen me through. And I'm telling you with confidence in the Holy Ghost, you will rise again. Just give it some time and that, that little blade of grass is going to come out of the sod and it's going to go all the way to heaven and produce after its kind. Now, if you've got a promise, you're holding on to it, I want you to just lift your hand again and say, Brother Kinsey, I'm holding on to my promise. And I'm in the process. I'm here. I'm, I'm with it right now. I want God to plant me, water me, whatever he needs to do tonight. I'm ready. So I want you to lift your hands. And we're going to pray right now that the Holy Ghost is going to minister. I pray for you, church, that God will make a way where there is no way. I pray for you that your destiny will be fulfilled and that the prophetic word will go forth and that the word of watering and the word of direction will be given to you in its season according to God's timing. Lord, I plead your blood and I bless your wonderful name. And I ask that you would fulfill the promise that you've given to them. In the name of Jesus, fulfill that word. Hallelujah. Sister Patty, I want you to bring your sister up here. We're going to pray for her. I believe she's having to leave to go to Louisiana. And I want us to pray that God is going to go with her in the word that's been deposited in her heart. And the things that God has done in her life are going to be fulfilled. And God's going to protect her and keep her all the way through to the end. God's able to do that. Now, saints of God, if you know that the enemy is fighting every way he can to stop the promise from happening. And you know he's going to do that. And you're enduring some of those attacks from the enemy. I want you to come and stand in the front because we're going to pray on your behalf that the Spirit of the Lord is going to fight on your behalf and we're going to win victory in Jesus' name. The Lord's going to be with you and he's going to keep you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deanna, the Lord knows. Well, Alabama's almost in Louisiana. Well, wherever it is, he, I, I guess he could take care of you in Alabama. We might have to ask Greg Stone, hallelujah, if God could help any Alabamians. But we'll hope that that's true. Amen. Well, God is for you. And he loves you. And he's trying to fight the battle on your behalf. But you've got to submit to this process. You cannot bypass it. If you do, you abort the promise every time. Not one time, every time. You abort the promise. You cannot do it. Get in the process. Let God stir you up. Let God dig you. Let God plant. Let God water. I release it right now in the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of the Lord come upon every one of you. I want you to lift your hands right now all over this building. I want you to claim that promise on behalf of those that are standing in this altar that have faith to believe that what God has spoken, he is also able to fulfill it. 
that if God has said it, no matter how long it has been, no matter how tired everybody is, no matter how weary with the battle you are, God's gonna water you and strengthen you and bless you and lift you. Don't you let the enemy or his voice intimidate you or talk you out of it or talk you down. Stay in the process until it completes its work. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Word of God, by the wonderful authority in the name of Jesus, I speak it into your life right now. Promise be birthed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and let God use this to, to direct your steps and comfort you and give you hope in the midst of your endurance. Because you're enduring right now and you're going to win in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to win. You're enduring right now, but you're going to win in Jesus' name. Amen. And just trust in it because it's true. God bless you. I'm going to let you go tonight. Love every one of you. I'll see you here Friday night. Will I see you? I know some of you may not be able to make it, but those of you that can be here Friday night, we're going to have a time. Ain't no telling what Rashidi's going to do, but whatever he does, we're going to loose him and let him do it. If it's a watering, a plowing, or a planting, let him plant it. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.